you know, what really clicked for me and what got me into real estate was my wife and I, we weren't married at the time, but you know, my house was uh, being foreclosed on. Right. So that was like the first obstacle in our relationship. Like, Hey, I'm a great guy. I got a good job, but by the way, I'm losing my house. Right. So, uh, we were, you know, we were already getting over that, uh, but we were sitting on our couch and, uh, we look outside there's a tow truck and it was hooking up to my, my truck. Right. And, and I knew at the moment, I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay my payment. And it wasn't because I didn't have money. I just didn't pay my payment because I was unorganized and, you know, I didn't keep track of all those things. And, yeah. you know, my, her mom and dad lived across the street from us. So, you know, of course I got to make up a story that my car is getting worked on. Uh, but it was kind of at that moment where I said, you know, like it, it doesn't matter how, how good you've thought about some of the things you've done in your life. If you don't understand how to build wealth for the future, uh, you're going to struggle forever. Welcome to the threefold real estate investing podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, Threefold listeners, welcome to another great show today. We've got a great guest with us today, Todd Poltz, joining us from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here with you, Lee. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you. Um, I'm just going to read a, a quick bio on uh, Todd, just give you guys a little bit about um, his background, and then I'm going to ask Todd to give us a little bit more. So, uh, like I said, he's coming to us from Dayton. He grew up in Dayton, in uh, Riverside, that, that part of Dayton. Um, he's married, he's got three kids, uh, received a degree um, in criminal justice and worked uh, full-time as a police officer uh, before dropping down to part-time and taking a regional director uh, role of uh, organized crime and internal investigations position with a large retailer. Uh, after facing some adversity, I made the decision to jump into multifamily real estate investing arena in 2012, 2013. He still works full-time as the VP of operations for a large security officer firm uh, and also owns and self-manages over 100 doors in the Dayton area. He focuses on multifamily investments, he does fix and flips, and he just started uh, diving into flipping um, and new development. So uh, he's also uh, recently a, a licensed realtor and he does uh, property management uh, on his own stuff and, and uh, some other stuff with his partner. So Todd, um, you've done a lot. Sounds like kind of a whirlwind. You're still working. So um, a lot of my listeners can can definitely identify with you with, with having that job. But um, why don't you uh, give us a little bit more in depth um, on your background and, and specifically maybe what were you doing when you got into real estate and what led you to get into real estate? What, what got you excited about real estate? Yeah. So you mentioned I grew up in Riverside, Ohio. Uh, some might not know where that's at, but if you look on the map, it, it borders Dayton. So uh, the demographics of it are pretty similar. Uh, but, you know, I grew up kind of typical story with a, a lot of people that I see in real estate. You know, I grew up very poor. I, I lived in a trailer. My dad was a truck driver and, you know, really wasn't around a lot to, to give me that advice that you look for as a young man. And um, so I, I did really one of the things that I, I, thought I could do good at, which was, you know, go to the police academy and, and join that because I didn't have, you know, really any backing to, to understand finances or to pursue something a little bit, you know, more than that. Uh, so that's what I did. And that's where I started off at. And um, I was doing okay. I had a good, uh, you know, good salary. I was, I was doing fine. Um, but the one thing that I was missing in my life that even as an adult and, and until I was, you know, close to 30 was I didn't understand finances. I didn't understand money. I, I didn't know how to make money work for you. Yeah. I knew if I had it in my pocket that I had something to buy with. 
Uh, and I knew if I didn't have it in my pocket that I couldn't buy something, but I didn't understand how to use that to build wealth for my family. And, you know, I tell the story often to people that, you know, what really clicked for me and what got me into real estate was my wife and I, we weren't married at the time, but, you know, my house was uh, being foreclosed on, right? So that was like the first obstacle in our relationship. Like, hey, I'm a great guy. I got a good job. But by the way, I'm losing my house, right? So uh, we were, you know, we were already getting over that, uh, but we were sitting on our couch and uh, we look outside, there's a tow truck and it was hooking up to my, my truck, right? And, and I knew at the moment, I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay my payment. And it wasn't because I didn't have money. I just didn't pay my payment because I was unorganized and, you know, I didn't keep track of all those things. And, yeah. you know, her mom, her mom and dad lived across the street from us. So, you know, of course I got to make up a story that my car is getting worked on. Uh, but it was kind of at that moment where I said, you know, like it, it doesn't matter how, how good you felt about some of the things you've done in your life. If you don't understand how to build wealth for the future, uh, you're going to struggle forever. And I remember as a single guy, I had watched infomercials. Like a lot of people at that time, it was infomercials because it wasn't, you know, podcast. Podcast and all that. Yeah, else. sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'd ordered all those videos like a long time ago. And I remember them sitting in there. The one thing I took with me, because I, I wasn't even organized to go clean my house out when it was getting foreclosed on. Like I was so unorganized, right? Uh, but I went over like the day that it was going to auction. And I'm like, okay, I got to scramble. Like, let me load my car up and take anything that I want. Then I'll leave anything there. Um, but I grabbed those videos. Uh, and then I threw them away a couple of days later. I never watched them. But it was kind of at that moment where I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into real estate. I'd always been interested. I you know, watched things on TV and uh, that was the moment when I really just committed to myself that I was going to change my financial position, not only for myself, but for my family. Yeah, absolutely, man. I wonder, Todd, like I, I didn't grow up, you know, poor. I mean, we, we didn't have a lot, but, but definitely not poor. Um, you know, I think, you know, you grew up a, a little, you know, rougher than, than me. And I mean, I guess it's probably hard to teach your kids um, how to make money work for you. You know, when you're a family that really, I mean, just realistically never has the opportunity to do that, right? I mean, the money that, that your parents made it and so many uh, in this country that, you know, lower middle class and, 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 you know, lower than that, the money that you have, it, need, it all needs to be spent, you know, on, on housing, you know, food, shelter, clothing, stuff like that. So how do you, you know, it, it would be hard to teach your kids uh, anything beyond that. So it sounds like, you know, you came into a position where you're doing better than that. So, you know, you're, you're, you know, got a pretty, you know, pretty good paying job and, and you have probably more money um, than, than what your parents had and maybe what you had growing up. But like, still the mindset for you is make money, spend money. And, um, you know, you don't understand the idea that maybe I could save some and have enough to, to invest for the future. Um, I wonder, do you think a lot of people that grew up in a, a similar situation just don't, it's almost like their parents don't have the opportunity to really teach them that next level of finances? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, they're, um, once I became an adult and I started doing okay on myself, I, I found myself angry with my parents, right? I found myself angry that I didn't have some of the, you know, some of the, the benefits that other kids had and that I didn't have the knowledge and that my dad didn't teach me certain things. I mean, you know, just simple things like didn't even teach me to shave, right? Like yeah. I had to figure out how to yeah. shave after cutting myself 300 times. Sure. But then as I started, you know, kind of growing a little bit older and becoming more humble and really evaluating my life, it's, it's exactly what you just said. Like how in the world could they teach me to be successful and build well if we couldn't even afford groceries week to week, you know? And yeah, right. once I started thinking like that, I kind of got over my anger. Um, and then I started helping them, you know? And I think a lot of families are like that. You, in our business, a lot of times successful people say, look, if you want to be successful, imitate and replicate successful people around you. And when right. you figure that out, you can do some good things. And if you're a parent that is not super successful, that's what your kid is going to rep, you know, replicate. And it makes it hard. And, and it's definitely a lot harder to get ahead if you're in that situation. Yeah, right. So, I mean, 
it makes sense that you have this turning point where, you know, I, I think you kind of see your life heading down, you know, maybe a similar path where maybe you're not going to provide anything better for, for your kids, for your future family. I mean, you didn't have the time, but you were, you know, uh, getting started with your future wife and you're thinking, man, what, what am I going to teach my kids if, if my house is getting foreclosed on, my, yeah. my truck's getting repoed? I mean, you know, what kind of financial education? So, you, you know, credit to you because, um, you know, people get to that fork in the road. I mean, there's, there's two ways to go and a lot of people choose, eh, I'm just going to, you know, just kind of keep making the same mistakes and, and I'm not going to, you know, really stick my foot in the ground and, and take the narrow road and, and take the, the path less traveled and really do something about it. But you decided, you know, to really make a big change. So how did you get that started, Todd? I mean, what did you start with? Yeah. So my first uh, real estate deal was I knew that I had, I had $10,000 saved in a retirement account, you know, one of my police accounts that I had. And okay. uh, I went to my wife and said, look, I want to spend it. I want to, I, I want to buy something in real estate. I don't know what it is. And, you know, of course she's like, what are you going to buy for 10 K? But, you know, by uh, my mentor and now my boss, also one of my business partners, uh, you know, I had, I had been friends with his family for, you know, at that point it was what, like 16 years. Cause I'd always worked off duty for a security company. So I went to him. I knew he had a little bit of real estate. He had like 30 doors at the time, 40 doors, whatever it was. Um, and I said, Hey, I got 10 K. And you know, if, if I find us like a quad, will you match my 10 K and let's buy something at $20,000. And um, for him, it was, it was more just saying yes. Cause I didn't think that he, I don't think he actually thought that I was going to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't either. Right. I didn't know real estate, but at that time, the market was a little bit lower and you could still do things. And then I just started off on the journey trying to find a quad. And I looked in rough parts of the area. You know, I, I don't know how many listings I looked at and, and called different people. And um, I didn't know anything about bird dogging or driving for dollars at that time. So it was all MLS. But luckily, it wasn't the same type of market that we have now. Yeah, um, so That's what we did. And I found that first quad. And it, was, it wasn't even a quad that I thought we was going to be able to buy. It was listed, you know, 60, 70,000. It was somewhere in between that I can't remember. And I was only going to practice my negotiation skills. And once we got in there, we we realized it had some quirks, you know, that the guy selling it wasn't even the owner. He had it on land contract from the actual owner who had bought it on foreclosure. Okay. Um, and in that relationship, that uh, guy that had it on land contract, he hadn't paid the owner a cent. You know, this is just a shady little handyman that, you know, made himself look good on the internet and convinced a guy to go on land contract with him. Um, so at the end of the day, we were able to side skirt him and uh, reach out to the owner who was in Iowa. And he was just beyond frustrated. He was one of those sure. guys that when we had the bad market, he bought up foreclosures because they were good deals but he didn't have a team in place. He didn't have a plan to manage these buildings. Yeah. Um, and he was losing it was behind on taxes. Uh, and he, you know, he agreed to sell it to us for 19,000 if we could get the guy on land contract out of the way. Um, and that's what we did. We, uh, we talked with him and told him it was probably in his best interest to take the thousand bucks we'd offer him and just walk away. And, and, and that's how we were. So we ended up closing that deal. And, you know, we were close to 21 K in and after closing costs. Wow. But I mean, so you bought it for cash. Yeah, we bought a cash, my 10K and, and yeah. my partner's uh, 10K. We were actually like 10, you know, 10,500 each, somewhere right around there. Yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of things, Todd. I mean, first, like, what a, what a great way for people to get started. I mean, you mentioned a couple of things, like following people that, that have done things. So if you don't have, um, you know, your parents weren't able to provide uh, that education for you, that financial education, your parents, you know, just, you know, were doing enough to get you food on the table, get clothes on your back, you know, shelter over your head. Uh, I mean, there are, there are people out there that, that will take the time. I mean, somebody in your network, somebody knows somebody uh, that, that can teach you that. And, and you know, whatever capacity that is, uh, just, just you know, get a coffee with them sometime. Um, and then obviously nowadays, I mean, you have no excuse with all the podcasts and, and the books right. out there to get some of that financial education. But then after that, it takes actually taking action. And I mean, you took action not only like spending a lot of time. And I mean, you got to be willing to do that up front. You've got to do all the stuff that nobody wants to do 
scraping through, you know, looking at all these deals, making phone calls, being rejected time and time again, you got to be able to put a lot of that time. You're also willing to put the little bit of money that you did have. I mean, your security blanket um, at risk. I mean, you're putting that 10 K now you, you were young um, and, and, you know, more reason the younger you are, the more you, you know, should, I, I believe take some chances um, cause you have, you have time to rally and, and, and get it back if you, if you were to lose it. But um, yeah, you really, you really, Put yourself out there. You got a mentor, and, and you were able to provide him value uh, by saying, "Hey, here's what I'm going to do for you." I mean, this guy, like, why does he need you? Well, he needs you to find that next deal. I mean, because what a great deal for him just to be able to put ten thousand dollars in, and now he, you know, he's in on a quad with you, and he did nothing, right? I mean, he did something to earn that ten thousand dollars, but now you've done all the work, and he gets to enjoy it with you, and then you know, coach you along the way, and then obviously, you know, we'll get into it. But you guys have a, a great partnership today, so I, yeah, I hope. I mean, I don't know. I just think you're a good example to people where there, you can have a lot of excuses, uh, but most people um, could come up with $10,000. If you can't, I shouldn't say most people, maybe there's a lot of people that couldn't, but somebody, probably somebody you knew, somebody you know can provide that $10,000. Somebody in your network could give that 10,000, then you partner with somebody else that can bring 10,000. And you know, you made the point Todd, that the market was a little bit different. And absolutely, that's true. It would be very difficult to do that in this market. Um, I would say then if you're just getting started, you know, do what, do what you did, Todd, but, you know, years before that, start educating yourself, start getting ready, start making those connections uh, because, you know, who knows when, but, you know, there's always corrections, you know, it, it's going to come eventually um, at the very least get yourself started, but start and go ahead and look at deals. Like you said, Todd, you might find a deal where you're like, yeah, you know, I need to get this deal for a hundred thousand. They got listed for 150. There's no chance. Well, you don't know until you call and to your point, Todd, yeah. at the very least you're, you're practicing your negotiating skills. So maybe you get on there and the best you can do is get them down to 130. But how good does that feel that you, you know, you got them down and you kind of realize how the process works and what it takes to, to talk somebody down and you get practice. So I'd say get started now. Um, if you can't find anything, everything you do um, while you're not finding a deal is just building a foundation for you, uh, building you up until you found that first deal. But um, that's awesome. So um, you got that first one, you guys got on a contract. Tell us a little bit about that deal, how that went. Yeah, so we got into it. It was uh, it was actually fully occupied, and okay. when, we, when we took it, and um, yeah, or at least on paper, right? Like I think yeah, sure I, there I, were people like, in the units. Yeah, on paper, everything was good, right? So when we finally got it, there was uh, one that wasn't paying rent, and then the other two were actually workers for the handyman that were living there for free, right? So as soon as okay. we took the building, three of them moved out, uh, which was which was okay because we wanted right. to raise rents anyway. But one of the couples that was there. Um, and I still talk to the wife today, but they had lived in the building at that point for 27 years. Wow. And they told me they'd been through like 15 different owners. Um, and when I kind of told her what my plans were and that, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm here local. I'm here to stay. Like, this is what I want to do. Uh, I remember she gave me a big hug, right? She's like, please just stick around. And, you know, we, we're <laughs> looking for some consistency. And I remember telling her, like, you guys have lived here for 27 years. You could have bought this building. Like, I don't even know what it is. Like you could have bought this building 10 times, right? Yeah. Goes, yeah. Yeah. But we don't want to deal with tenants. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Not for everybody. There and we had to, uh, we had to stick 12 K into it. And my mentor did that. So he, he okay. gave another 12 K cash. Uh, and I remember he, he, he did do a little bit of work. He showed up on the first day when we had a demo and I think it was him flexing his muscles. Right. Show me, uh, show me how tough, how hard he works. And like, I didn't need to know that. Like I already knew he was a hard worker. I knew he was successful, but, uh, he showed up and we demoed that the first day and, we got that done in two weeks and, you know, we had it fully occupied within like three or four weeks. And nice. that was all the money we ever put in that building. And it was a, you know, the most successful building that I've had uh, in my portfolio. I, that was the first, the only building that I've ever sold, uh, which was like two years ago. I sold it twice uh, within, you know, about a 
14 month period, but uh, it was a great building. Nice. Yeah. Got it occupied cash flowing. I mean, let's say, what, what do you think you were cash flowing on a monthly basis off that deal, Todd, just as an example? Yeah. So, you know, a little bit different because we paid all cash for it, you know, but right. we were, uh, you know, but we were, uh, we were collecting 1600 in rent. Um, so at the time we were right at 1100 after we paid out everything, you know, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, which for, for me at that time, like give myself an extra, you know, it was like 500 bucks. Uh, that was like, it. that was huge. Um, but we were also taking that money and we were, we were put we were leaving it in there. So we weren't taking it out, which was hard for me because I had bills and I wanted to take it out. Uh, but my mentor kept telling me like, don't take it out. Like, let's put it together and let's do another deal. Um, and I trust okay. him and that's, and that's what we did. So, um, I was doing a lot of extra work. I wasn't getting any extra money yeah. and, uh, you know, your wife telling her that, Hey, I, I get it that I just lost my house. I get it that my car was getting repoed. Um, but thank you for trusting me to put $10,000 in investment that I tell you was going to work out. Right. Like that was a, that was a big deal at the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, Hey, you know, uh, the deal worked out, but uh, we're not going to make any money off. Right. That. We're just going to, I mean, that's it. That is a tough conversation. Um, tell me a little bit about like what those conversations were. Was it just, um, you know, just looking big picture Just Hey, let's, let's look, you know, a few years down the road. Um, and, and you know, for these first couple of years, it'll be, you know, we'll have to kind of scrape by and, and, just that delayed gratification or what, what was kind of the conversation between you and her like initially? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, my wife, uh, first of all, she's just awesome. I mean, she's phenomenal. She's nice to you nurse, just, um, cool. you know, yeah. big bug girl, man, just great girl. Uh, but she's a very like in the moment thinker. Um, she wants to see the results. You know, it's even now like the conversations we have now where I just started using any type of loans or leveraging. She's like, what do you mean we can't pay off your $9,000 truck and you want to keep paying on that? I'm like, well, it's an interest. Why would I pay it off? I, I know I can take that 9, 10K and use it for a deal. And those aren't conversations that most wives that are kind of like that. And I think average, those aren't the type of conversations that, that go real well because they don't think like that, right? Yeah. In real estate, you got to be more creative. And for us, it was me building up the trust, right? And I think once we, once we started building that trust, it got a little bit easier. Uh, but that wasn't for, you know, that wasn't for at least a year until I had my third property because, you know, obviously the second one didn't go well. Yeah. And we can get into that. I mean, I've, I've had a very similar experience. I think my wife um, is wired. I think God created her very similar to, to your wife. Um, and just, Hey, I, you know, I, I want to see it. Like, you know, it's, it's easy to say there's going to be these things, um, you know, this, this and that's going to happen in the future. But you know, when you're not, um, when you're not seeing it, it's hard to, to trust that because, you know, I just kind of look at it as, I don't know, like a, like a game of poker. And it's like, you know, Todd, you just played a hand and you won. And now you have all these extra chips, but like, you won't even let me take a few of them off the table. You want to put them back in. But that really, I mean, that that's part of, you know, that's kind of what real estate is, right? Like depending on how big you want to go, if you just want to, Hey, let's buy a house every year. And that's one way to do it. I don't want to, you know, say that's not a good strategy. Uh, for some people that is, I just know, I mean, I guess I didn't mention this, but Todd, Todd and I have kind of become friends over the past, you know, couple months. Um, so I know you're not like this and, and you know, I'm not, uh, we want to, you know, we want to keep building. Um, and if you do want to keep building, you, you got to keep putting your chips back on the table. And I mean, you know, for our wives um, and, and, and other people, you know, it's, it's not always the wife. Sometimes the husband's more this way, but you know, they look at it as like, okay, but like you could just lose them the next time. I mean, so we had this good win, but it doesn't mean anything because you just put it back on the table. Now we could lose on the, on the second hand or whatever. Um, but if you do want to scale, if you, if you do want to do something kind of big, that you really do have to do some of that. I mean, you could take a little bit off. You could say, hey, I want to take a little bit of my cash flow and, and, and 
tuck it away or whatever, um, you know, pay some bills, pay down some debt. There's different ways to do it. Not everybody has to do it exactly like, like you and, and me, because I do it very similar to you, Todd. But um, yeah, that, that, that's hard. It's, it's definitely a different mindset, like you said. Um, did you ever uh, uh, have her read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, I didn't. I mean, she's, I, she doesn't read a lot like me, but I have to go back to your poker story because my wife, when she watches this, if she does, um, she's going to swear that I told you ahead of time to talk about poker and chips, right? Because, Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a blackjack player and, and I don't play a lot, but you know, we'll go to Vegas a couple times a year and I yeah. do like play a little blackjack and we were out there last year and, and I felt like I was doing really well, but she would come by like every hour or so. And, and she would scrape like a hundred dollar chip out of my pocket or a $500 chip out of my pocket. And say she's going to keep it so I didn't spend it all, right? But then we got to the end of the week, and I'm like, man, I'm just kind of like, I'm flush. Like, I felt like I made more money. And she led me to believe that I didn't. And then we got home, and it was like a week later, and I found her secret hiding spot in her purse where she went and cashed all my chips in, right? We came home with like 4,000 bucks. Wow. She had me feeling like, I didn't That's do awesome. good, right? Yeah. So she's, she's, the, she's a scraper, man. She's safe. That's funny. You know? That's awesome. And I'm, a, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's a great balance. I mean, I, I think – I thank God all the time for, for bringing me, uh, my wife and, and, and putting us together. And I think there's, there's a reason for that. Um, yeah, even in investing, I mean, Hannah's, uh, definitely saved me from, from putting my chips, you know, too quickly on, you know, Hey, let, okay, we can put our chips back on the table. I know that's what you want us to like, let's, let's just make sure we're going in, you know, on the right deal and stuff like that. So it's good to, to slow down. Um, so you kind of mentioned that, that next deal, um, didn't go so well. So, so tell us a little bit about that one. We don't want to just pretend like all real estate is good and everybody's going to hit a home run on the first deal like you did and, and keep it going. So tell us, tell us the other side of the coin and in, in real estate investing. Yeah. I'll tell you that some of the, uh, yeah, some of the few couples that I, that I mentor in real estate now, I tell them the same thing all the time, right? Like don't just believe all the ads that are out there that everything's going to be good. And it's going to be golden because almost everybody in real estate, unless you're just really, really fortunate, you're going to face something crappy, right? Like you're going to, you're going to deal with some type of adversity. It's going to happen. It's not, you know, whether it happens or not, it's just when it happens and you got to prepare for that. And if you can prepare for that and get through it, you can be super successful. But I think that's really what separates out the successful investors from the ones that flop and lose their money. And those become the ones that are out there telling other people, the worst mistake you can do is get into real estate, right? Yeah, right. But the second deal we found, like I was, I was feeling really good. And we, uh, I found a six unit building right around the corner and it was all townhome style. It had been sitting vacant for two years. And uh, again, it was, it wasn't on the market. I just happened to drive past it and looked it up and found out who owned it. And I found that the guy that, that actually owned it had died two years of, uh, before that he was uh, apparently dealing dope out of the apartment building and he was shot and killed one of the units. So the family was kind of stuck with it. The mom was, she had no interest in real estate. It was like $19,000 behind taxes. Um, but when we walked in this thing and mind you in the city of Dayton, it is rare to find a building that set vacant and wasn't vandalized, but this building mm. had not been vandalized. It, wow. Four of the six units he already had completely done and it was travertine tile fancy light fixtures you know granite countertops i mean it was beautiful right Gee whiz. So 30 40 dollars. we would have had to stick into the other two units to get them get them ready um so we went to the family and and they agreed to sell it to us for uh, just the back taxes like a thousand bucks so we bought that thing on late friday night for twenty one thousand dollars cash um and again that was between me and my uh, me and my friend my mentor uh, on the same first deal um, but yeah, yeah 21,000 bucks, you know, so we're saying it like what, like $60,000 for six units. Uh, that's crazy. That's insane. Yes. But that's not how it went. So, <laughs> you know, like I said, we closed late Friday night and Monday morning I was watching the news, getting ready to meet some contractors over there. And, and sure enough on the news, I, 
I saw a building that looked pretty darn familiar and it was burning to the ground and wow. that happened to be our building. Right. Um, but we, uh, at the time we didn't bind any insurance coverage on this. And, and I don't even know if we would have been able to, because it was a vacant building. And at that time it was extremely hard to get insurance on vacant buildings in the city limits anyway. Um, but yeah, no insurance. It burned to the ground, 21,000 burned to the ground. So let's recap. I, I got my house foreclosed on my car was getting repoed. I convinced my wife to let me use $10,000. She hadn't seen a single return from it. And I rolled that money into a six unit. And now I come to her and tell her we've lost $21,000. So that was the start of the real estate career. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty successful, right? <laughs> right? So now you own a piece of land. Uh, well, we own that building. <laughs> now listen, that was 2013, right? So the worst part about that was uh, because the top floor had caved in, the city wouldn't let us remove that and demo that building unless we did an asbestos removal. So all of the quotes we got were sixty, seventy thousand dollars Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we let the building sit there. We cut the grass. We, we took care of it. We made sure it was boarded up. But we couldn't afford to have that building taken down. It just didn't make sense. No. Um, so we pay taxes on that building ever since then. And we still, to this day, pay taxes on that building. And it's you know, like 1200 bucks a year. Um, and, and the city just recently, about eight months ago, I happened to be driving by. And I'm like, let me just go check on it. And it was all green space. And apparently they had got a grant and came in, you know, without us knowing and just tore the building down, turned it in green space. Um, so that was fortunate, but we're still paying taxes on it. And we think we could probably get reevaluated, reassessed, but I want to leave that. Like, I want to know every six months when I pay that semi-annual tax bill, I want to remind myself how stupid of a decision it was to not put insurance on the building. Right. And if yeah. that's my punishment myself, I'm okay with it. Yeah. 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 It's a great learning lesson. I mean, I think that's something people have to remember. I mean, you're, that's kind of an extreme example. Um, you know, most people that get in real estate don't have a building burned down in the few days, you know, the first couple of days that they own it and, and not even have a chance to get insurance. So that's an extreme story. So don't, you know, don't let that uh, get you down. And then, you know, we'll get into more of your story, but I mean, Todd's a great story of how you can still, I mean, that can happen and you can still overcome it because Todd totally has and, and is crushing it now. But um, most people are going to get in and within your first couple of years, you're going to, like you said, Todd, you're real, you're going to face some adversity. Um, but it's the only way to learn. I mean, with anything in life, that is just really the only way to learn. I remember when I, when we were doing our first flip, you know, I'd been studying real estate for um, about a year. I mean, but, but really, really getting into it. So I felt like I knew so much. Um, and, but my wife was kind of like, yeah, but do you, you know everything you need to know? Like, do you know everything you need to know? And I'm like, I think I know everything I can possibly know without doing something. Like right, right. the rest of it, I can't learn until I do it. Like, I don't know what else I need to know. Like I can tell you, yeah, I don't know everything because I haven't done anything. So, I mean, I, I just think that's really true. You have to get in and, and sometimes just because we're humans and, and it's the way God created us, the only way to learn certain things is, is just by messing it up and, and seeing a failure there. And then you'll learn it and you'll know it forever. I mean, I mean, you've got a reminder, 600, you know, $600 every six months reminder um, yeah. of, Hey, make sure all your bases are covered before you, you know, close on the deal, make sure you got insurance, making sure everything's in place. So great experience there. Well, um, just give us a quick overview talk. Cause I, I think that's great just for people to um, just see an example of someone, um, you know, with, with a job, not, not a bunch of money, uh, you know, just a little bit of a network, somebody, um, you know, you convinced to go into business with you because they trusted you and your work ethic, um, your character and, and getting that. I think anybody can, can probably find um, enough money to scrape together and, and someone to go into business with and do something very similar. Um, and then, you know, you've seen success, you've seen failure, but since then, Todd, just a quick overview of um, what you've done to, to scale your business and kind of where you're at now to get people, you know, just a, a vision of, of what it could become if they followed in your footsteps. 
Yes, you know, that really was my motivation. I used that, uh, that building that burned down as my motivation to, to be successful because I, I didn't want to fail again. And for mm-hmm. me, I didn't want to fail again in my, my wife's eyes. Like I wanted her to continue that trust. So I knew that I had to overcome that. So the second deal was, uh, you know, it was another finance deal. I picked up 31 units uh, across 10 buildings. Um, and then from there, and that was like, a, that was like maybe nine months after the building had burned down. Okay. Um, so, I, so I focused on that you know, for like the next year, uh, because I didn't have the, I didn't have the funds. I didn't have the wherewithal and I didn't have the knowledge that I have now to learn how to go out and find money from other places. So you partnered, you partnered with the same partner on those 31 units. No, this was all by myself. Okay. Um, so I did this by myself. I actually bought it off of him and uh, okay. convinced, convinced him to owner finance me at the time. And now I'm not gonna let him, I usually send him podcasts and I'm on, but I'm not gonna send him this one. So I'm gonna tell you the secret, right? Like I used everything he taught me against him at that moment. And I don't think he realized it till this day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a good deal and it worked out for him. He, he hated being a landlord. He wasn't making money on the property and, and yep. I knew it was going to be a cash count of gold mine. So the next year I kind of focused on that. And then, uh, you know, I got into flipping to be able to make some cash yep. uh, with, uh, you know, so I could put back into some multifamily stuff and I just kept yep. kind of quietly building that portfolio. Uh, and we continued going down that route and you probably about, uh, it was December of 2019 after I listened to a couple podcasts and start learning a little bit more about networking. And I went to a conference out in Colorado. Uh, I started focusing on networking. Um, and I really made a decision. That I was going to bring on some partners and December, I brought on a partner, actually a guy who had bought one of my, the only building I ever sold. This is the guy that bought it. Okay. Became good friends. He's from Nevada and him and mm-hmm. another gal uh, out in Nevada and my mentor at the time. And uh, he's actually my boss day to day. And also, you know, one of my closest friends, uh, the four of us started a real estate company. We've been buying some larger multifamily. So we've, we've picked That's up awesome. quite a few doors just this year. We've, we've closed five deals this year and uh, you know, like 40, 50 units, whatever it comes out to just this year. So that's kind of what we're focusing on now. We've been uh, acquiring some land and some key strategic spots. We've done a land flip. Uh, we're doing a little bit of new development and uh, we're just jumping in with everything, man, really, you know, like anything yeah. that makes sense. It's a good deal that we understand. Uh, we're jumping in on it. Yeah. Yeah. um, Your story is another great example, right? I always, I mean, if people listen to all all my podcasts, they probably get tired of me saying this, but I I just believe so much in um, the compound effect. If if you've read that one by Darren Hardy and and the idea of exponential growth and and the the story he tells in in his book, um, and and people have heard it in other places. I mean, he didn't come up with this, but like just the idea, if you double, if someone offers you $2 million today or offers you a penny and they say they'll double your money every day for 30 days, you'd think that there's no way you can overcome the $2 million, but it's something like you you end up getting like, I don't know, three, four, $5 million if you double your penny. But what that growth curve looks like is it starts out so slow and you see, you know, your money is still almost nothing after like 20 days. And you know, your story taught like, you, you bought the four unit, you know, that, that was it. You, you bought the two unit or the, the six unit that went really badly. It was another nine months, but then boom, you jump up and you buy 31 units. You know, now all of a sudden you're at 35 units. Uh, but it took you, I mean, I guess from the time you decided to get into real estate to the time you closed on that 31 units, what was that Todd? Was that a year and a half, two years or? Uh, it was, it was right about a, right about a year. Like maybe right about a year. year. Okay. So that's, that's still pretty, that's, that's still pretty rapid growth. You get to 31 units, but then how long has it been since, how long ago did you close that 31 units? So we were what, about six years ago. So, you know, I jumped in okay. at the end of 2012, 2013, we're at 2020, yeah. so I've been doing it for seven years now. Yeah. And you have hundreds of units now. Yeah. Between your partners and now and you've got, um, and because, because you put in all that work and you started slow and, and learned so much and, and gained the knowledge and the experience, 
that's how you're able to bring on partners too, right? I mean, they're not going to just partner with anybody, but they've seen what you've done. You've got a track record. So I think you have to go out and do that. You got to, a lot of times, um, start small and, and get some wins and, and get some experience. And then you're able to bring on partners. And now you're able to go, go after stuff that you would never be able to do on your own um, and, and close, you know, yeah, five deals in, in one year um, and, and add that many units. So yeah, great story. Um, I, I hope people um, understand that, you know, they could, they could follow in your footsteps. Yeah, partnerships have been key for me, but I'll tell you, you know, you, you follow some of the same circles I do and you see so many investors, especially outstate investors get burned by contractors, they get burned by property management. Mm-hmm. And what I've, what I've found only focusing on networking really like in the last, you know, six, seven months, yeah. what I found is if you're honest and you're transparent and people see the good in you and, and you're not greedy and you don't try to just take an extra buck, I mean, I'll be honest, like my realtor's license. You know, I closed a deal for a guy the other day. I found him an off-market deal. And the only way the deal worked was if I didn't take a commission. And uh, I'm cool with that, right? Like, because I gave him a good deal. And I know that I have a relationship for a long time with him. Sure, and absolutely. If you can do that and you get people to see that good and that you have a good heart and that you're always going to be honest with them, they will latch on to you. Because there's a lot of people out there that want to spend money uh, in real estate, but they have that fear of not having that proper team. And it gets talked about yeah. everywhere. So if you can provide yeah. that to somebody, uh, you can find some really, really cool partners out there. Absolutely. Yeah. They have that fear for good reason. Cause there are a lot of, a lot of sharks out there. I mean, a lot yeah. of people trying to, yeah. And, and, and to your point, it's just, it's people that want to make money now. So they, you know, they think it's worth it to rip somebody off because they will make more money today, but yeah, then you just ruin a relationship. You burned a bridge. You, you've got no chance to make money down that Avenue in the future. Instead, if you, you know, don't try to make money now um, you know, you're going to make so much more money later. Uh, by building that relationship. Let's, uh, let's switch gears. Um, Doug, you've kind of hit on it, but um, how would you say real estate investing, getting into it has um, affected your relationship with, with, with your wife and with your kids? Yeah. So it was tough. You know, I was, I was working full time. I, I spent a lot of time away from my family and um, you know, and, and still there's days, there's days now where I'm, I'm just working nonstop and mm-hmm. um, it, it was rough. You know, we went through some rough years and especially about four, four and a half years ago when, when we started scaling a little bit, um, we went some, some really rough times and my wife was getting her bachelor's degree in, in nursing and, and I was working nonstop and, you know, we kind of, we kind of fell away from each other a little bit, right? Like we stopped yeah. appreciating each other. We stopped, um, uh, having that, you know, emotional connection with each other and we fell away from each other and we had some, some rough, rough patches and most of that. And let me just say all of that. Cause it was, it was my fault because I wasn't evaluating my life. I wasn't looking at how much time I was putting in the bucket. And what I was doing was like, look, I'm building a future for our family. And I even say that to my wife sometimes today is like, I get it. I know I worked a lot of hours this week, but I promise you in the end, it's going to be, it's going to be worth it. And she always brings me back the fact that um, it doesn't matter how rich we are. It doesn't matter if you put me on a boat. It doesn't matter if you take me to Bora Bora. It doesn't matter what happens in 15 years. If, if you don't love me today and you don't give me that attention today, none of that, none of that matters. Right. And, yeah. Uh, it was rough and, and we're in a much better place now. You know, we've, we've really been working on it but it's because I had to put the time into it. I had to put the, the, the pressure on myself to constantly reevaluate myself. And I think when, you know, anybody that has employees or anybody that's been an employee, like you usually get an evaluation, right? Like you get graded on how your work is. And for us, if you're going to jump in real estate and you're going to work all the time, you got to be honest and you got to give yourself evaluation, right? And not just like some nice evaluation, like be hard on yourself, hold yourself accountable. Are you being a good dad? Are you being a good husband? Are you being a good friend? Are you being a good person in general? And if you're failing in any of those categories, you need to help figure out how to fix it. Because if you yeah. don't fix those things, you don't have that personal life and, and that family. Uh, nothing else matters. Like real estate right. doesn't matter if you don't do that. Right. What's, what's all the success? What's all the money for? If you don't have, you know, people that you love to spend it on. 
and people right. that, that love you and you have those relationships. And I, I just, you know, speaking of that evaluation made me think like a, a thought that I feel like God has brought to me um, over the years where like, you know, most people would say, and I think you and I would agree, Todd, like, if you want to do well in business, if you want to do well in this real estate, you got to really work at it. You got to put in the time, right? So it takes a lot of time. Well, why would we think having a good relationship with our wife and having good relationships with our kids would be any different? Why, yeah. why wouldn't you think like, well, you know, if this guy over here, you know, I, I look at, I, I'm, you know, we're, we're competitive. I look at a guy like, Hey, he's, he's outworking me in, in business. He's doing better than me in real estate. It's because he's putting in more time. He's trying harder. That motivates me to try harder. Well, why would it, wouldn't it be the same thing with, with your family? Um, yeah. You know, he, this guy over here, you know, seems to have a better family life. Well, he's probably putting in more time, you know? So yeah, I, I think that evaluation and just being honest with you, okay, well, how many hours did I spend, you know, really talking with my wife, really pursuing my wife, spending, you know, one-on-one time with my kids, really playing with the kids. Like how many hours did I put into that? Because, you know, we, we know we put a lot of hours into our work because we want to be successful there. But yeah, I think stepping back and have that evaluation, you can realize, okay, how well am I doing with the family too? Cause like you said, it's a lot more important. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, um, what, what are, uh, have you, have you put anything in place? I, I guess it sounds like, you know, you and your wife having a conversation about it is probably the most important thing. Is there anything tangible that you've, you and your wife kind of put together to, to make sure it, it doesn't get carried away and you, you don't lose it? Is there anything you do specifically to be intentional to make sure you're filling that bucket for her and your family and stuff like that? Yeah. So I think, you know, for her and I, we have a couple things that we, you know, that we do and uh, one is we, we make sure we don't neglect ourselves as a couple and we take vacations together. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say together, I mean alone, you know, we have uh, three couples that nice, we travel yeah. with, uh, you know, Steve and Diana and, and Mark and, and, and Don and Drew and Jen. And, and these are couples that we've been friends with for, you know, 20 years, or at least I've been friends with the guys for 20 years and, and we've all been really close. And we always make sure we plan trips every year right now. And, and we'll do two or three. We'll just travel somewhere in the country and we take that alone time without our kids. Yeah. Um, and then we make sure we plan out that family time. But I'll tell you, for me personally, um, I, I kick myself in the butt all the time and I try to be very intentional. When my wife walks in the door, I, 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 I want to touch her, right? I want to kiss her. I want to rub her shoulders. I want her to know that I'm thinking about her. And if I'm on the computer and she sits down, I'm right in the middle of a, you know, writing up a contract or doing something. Um, I try to make myself just stop right then and just go do something, you know, if it's touching her hand or, you know, saying, Hey, or whatever, like, I want to be very intentional about that. And I fail, I fail sometimes that, and she'll let me know when I fail, but, uh, (laughs) but I, but I try to be very intentional about it. Yeah. That's a great tip. Yeah. Great advice. I, I, yeah, I want to follow up myself and I, I noticed myself trying, trying to do that, but I failed that as well. But yeah, just showing her right away that, Hey, you're the most important thing. Uh, this other stuff that whatever I'm doing is not as important. I think that's great advice. Um, back to the real estate side, what, what would you say is uh, the key ingredient for someone to succeed in real estate? Well, I think we just mentioned all with relationships. I think it's the same in business. Like you have to be intentional and consistent every single day. Yeah. Right. And if you do the same things, you know, the old saying, like if you do the same, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. I don't think that's yeah. true. I think it's true when you talk about failures, but in real estate, you want to be intentional. You want to be consistent. You know, you want to have the same type of model every day because if you follow that, sure. you're going to eventually have some success with it. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, um, I realized that I didn't start networking and really educating myself with all the fantastic, like, like you, you know, like I, I listen to your podcast every time it comes out. I listen to several other, you and I listen to a lot of the same podcasts. Right. If I would have done that when I jumped into real estate and I would have learned some of the things that I know now, man, I don't know. I don't know what I would have been done. Maybe I'm living on a yacht and I'm not even doing a podcast with you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, but networking 
uh, is really, really it's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I totally second that. Um, wait, let's jump in. Um, you've given us so much, so much great information here, Todd. Um, I'd like to ask a couple of quick questions here at the end. I, I sent them to you and you did um, already answer them for me, but I'm just going to shoot them off here to you real quick. Uh, what, what's a favorite uh, quote or, or scripture that you, that you like that you live by? Yeah. So I think the one that, uh, you know, as far as a quote goes, Rory Varden said it, but I, I heard it from the rock Dwayne Johnson. He said, you know, success <laughs> is, uh, never owned. It's only rented and your rental successes do every single day. Uh, so that's, awesome. that's, that's yep. probably my favorite one. Yeah. That's a really good one. I haven't, I haven't heard that. Um, but I am a friend, I am a fan of the rock. So surprised that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, uh, what about a, a real estate related book? Well, I, I think I told you, man, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't read books. I've never read a book all the way through. I, I start reading them and I get really interested and then I just put them down. Like I just, I don't, yeah. know, I don't have it in me. So you're so. more like podcasts. Yeah. More like listen to podcasts. Yeah. I'm all over podcasts. Yeah, like when I'm driving yeah. around, that's all I do all day long. I'm listening to podcasts, right? If it ain't yep. Lee Yoder, it's Whitney Sewell or it's bigger pockets. Like I'm listening to something like as soon as it pops up, I'm, you know, it, to be honest with you, like some of you guys that, that don't put them out, every single day, like Whitney does, like, I'm, yeah. like, oh, give me another podcast, right? Like, <laughs> I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump all over it. I just, I eat it all up, man. I love, I love you guys for doing it. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then uh, you didn't have a, uh, so you don't read, so no faith family uh, book recommendation, but you had a movie recommendation. Yeah. So, you know, for me, and this is more personal, I think I talked about in my life, but you know, I think when I, uh, I had to watch it by myself because I knew it was probably gonna be hard, but uh, I don't know if you ever seen that uh, imagine me uh, or I can only imagine. I'm sorry. I can only imagine. I don't think I have. I know well, I've heard yeah. of that. I know so, the song. Yeah, you know, Mercy Me, but you yeah. got to watch it. Like, it's a really, really cool movie. Uh, but it's, I can only imagine, and, and, you know, it's about him going off and, and how the song actually came about, but also okay. has a big component with him and his dad and, and not growing up in that great life. And uh, it's really powerful, man. Like, I love it. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. I'm definitely going to have to watch that. Um, how do you like to give back, Todd? Or how do you plan to give back in the future? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I volunteer a lot of time with, with coaching youth sports. You know, I coach football, basketball, baseball. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I love that. My wife and I, we give to a ton of charities, you know, local sports, the local JCs, um, anywhere that we think is deserving of it. You know, my wife and I, we, we, we like to take care of our residents too. So, yeah. you know, think, you know like Thanksgiving, and Christmas, I mean, we like to take plates out to some of them that we know are struggling. Uh, we have a lot of kids in our complexes, so we always spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on uh, Christmas presents and we take them to the kids that we know might not might not have that uh, for really me neat. like for me right now it's it's all about you know and maybe you're like this maybe you're not but I get so inundated and, and, and I get so sick of seeing all of the real estate gurus out there that are selling the mentorships and, and just banging out 5k a pop 10k a pop and uh, for me one of my passions right now is mentoring people that really want to get into real estate and especially oh, that's great you, yeah you know? so I like to talk about youth anytime I get a chance so if I'm at a party and I'm sitting there with an 18 19 year old kid like, I don't even care where the conversation at. I find some way to bring it back to, you know, getting financial freedom and how do you handle mm -hmm. your finances? And like, how did I do it? Even if I know they're bored out of their mind, because if, if, if just one of those takes a little bit of advice, like I feel good about it. So the youth is one of my passions. And um, I got a couple of couples that I'm working with now that I'm mentoring. And that's awesome. So yeah, that's what, just what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's great. Man, that's awesome. Um, well, hey, uh, I always ask everybody, how might my listeners and I uh, be praying for you in the coming weeks? Yeah. So I think, you know, my, my wife and I, and my family, we're pretty solid right now. And um, I think I'd be selfish if I asked for any type of prayers for myself at this moment, but we do have a, uh, we have a niece and a nephew. They're a young couple and, and they had their first baby, um, you know, like last year. And uh, that baby has cerebral palsy and is really, really struggling. Mm, yeah. And they just had their, just had their second baby who came out healthy. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's, it's just rough. They're a young couple and they got a great, you know, they got a great mom and dad that's supporting them and, and a family around them. But, uh, you know, if you guys could just keep them in your thoughts and. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's tough. Um, well, Todd, as we wrap up here today, um, what's, what's the best way for people to reach out to you, uh, find out more about you. Um, maybe it's some of the, the young people maybe want to take you up on, uh, get a little more educated and uh, find out how they might, um, you know, follow your same path. How can they reach out to you? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on bigger pockets. Just under my name, Todd Foltz. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my Instagram is bottom to the top investments. Um, or you should shoot me an email, which is uh, B-T-T-T-I-L-L-C at gmail.com, which is, you know, stands for bottom the top investments, LLC at gmail.com. Okay, cool. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can just click on it. Uh, if you don't remember, that'll be there when I post this about a month from now or whatever. So awesome. Well, Todd, thanks so much. I don't want to take up any more time. You've given us so much. Uh, it's a great story. Like I said, I, I just hope people um, follow you. Just a very, very down to earth um, story, but you know, took a lot of hard work, uh, taking some risk. Uh, making relationships, but anybody can do that. Yeah, thanks, Lee. And I'm looking forward to closing a deal with you sometime soon. We're going to do it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm going to have Good you on. back on and we can talk about that. Yep. All right, thanks, Todd. Hey, God bless. You too. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.